You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright. The power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected. A place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California. Okay, it's all about money tonight. I know that this is a subject that is close to everyone's heart. So I brought in one of the best people that I know to give us some insight as to what we can do on an individual basis to let prosperity into our lives. Jerry Gillies has been on Oprah, Larry King Live, and has been noted by Jack Canfield as being an exceptional seminar leader. He's written a best-selling book way back in 1978 called Money Love, and he's now living in Panama writing many other books about money and relationships. And his latest book, Money Love 3.0, is excellent. But before we bring out Jerry, I wanted to toss in my own thoughts about how to make it easier to attract money into our lives. And it's a different way of thinking about money. Jerry's going to be talking about what we need to change within each of us to allow the flow of money to come to us. And I think he's really right on target. And I'm going to suggest something at a much bigger level. What if we have been so focused in on our own personal financial well-being that we actually sidestep the most important issue of all time? If on a consciousness level we are all connected, which I believe to be true, then perhaps we all have been doing this wealth building process a bit backwards. Instead of focusing in on our personal wants and desires like that shiny new bike or that piece of jewelry or the bank account for each one of us, what if we focused on changing the world's economy through our collective consciousness? What if we set our intentions to be about the betterment of every country economically? What if there was plenty of money globally for everyone? What would it look like if money was abundant? Wouldn't it mean that there would be better paying jobs around the world and huge strides in job creations through small businesses in every country of the world? Wouldn't that mean that there would be better housing, better schools, better transportation, better energy sources around the world? Wouldn't it mean less crime and less fighting and more opportunities? Wouldn't it mean less jails and better opportunity for ex-inmates to fully join society and fully rehabilitate? Wouldn't? that mean that we could actually end homelessness everywhere. Now, many of us believe that we are unworthy of obtaining big money because it's an inside job on how we feel about ourselves. Then wouldn't it be easier to visualize a world that is thriving, taking our beliefs off the table until we have completely change the way we feel about ourselves. If we simply visualize families in other countries thriving, then that could only bounce back to us individually. So without us thinking about our own beliefs, it would come back to us energetically, right? Yes. As a matter of fact, it would. We don't have to bother worrying about governments or banks or corruption or corporations because we're only focusing on the betterment of global economy. The governments and the banks and the corporations would then have to come in line with our collective consciousness in order to become significant again. They would have to shift to what the collective consciousness means. 
And hey, you know what just happened? Just now, just this minute. This is really amazing. And it's, I think it's a direct sign from the universe. You know, you are all aware of the Patriot being discarded and the new Freedom Act passing in Congress. Well, Edward Snowden just wrote an article that I just now saw, and it says, quote, a profound difference has occurred over the past two years following the leaking of NSA documents that led to the revelations about U.S. surveillance on the phone and Internet communications. Now, Edward Snowden is the computer analyst who is writing an article for the New York Times. And he went on to state that the balance of power is changing as post-terror generation turns away from the reaction and fear in favor of resilience and reason. Well, <laughs> oh my gosh, this really proves my point. In only two years, a radical shift has occurred in not only the U.S., but globally, and we did it unintentionally just by becoming aware. So the fact that this article is turning up at the exact same time that I'm doing my notes for the show, well, it just shows the universe wants us to be more concise in our thoughts by setting intentions on a global nature collectively and then shift to us individually. You know, I'm going to delve into this more in the coming weeks because we know a shift occurs when we change our beliefs individually. And it occurs for not only us, but it goes out to about 10 to 20 people. But if we can change collectively by focusing on the financial well-being globally, it will have a faster, more profound effect in which to change. It's interesting, isn't it? I just think that this must be the missing link on how we can change everything faster than we could ever imagine. So with that, let's take a fast break. Sit back, relax, kick off your shoes and tune in because we've got some really, really great information that you will remember tonight. We'll be right back after these messages. Many of us feel like our lives lack something. What if we could be reminded of an innate gift that lies dormant within all of us? Yamin Lee's new spellbinding memoir, Whole Body Prayer, The Life-Changing Power of Self-Healing, takes us on a spiritual journey which reveals an important message. What we are searching for has been waiting for us all along, right inside our own bodies. This is a true story of a master healer. Order Whole Body Prayer, The Life-Changing Power of Self-Healing on Amazon or visit www.myholebodyprayer.com. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's lawofattractionmagazine.net. Okay, we are back and you are listening to the Law of Attraction Talk Radio with Jules. Don't forget to go to LOARadioNetwork.com and read the latest issue of the Law of Attraction magazine for free. Now let's talk to Jerry Gillies. He's one of the foremost authors and speakers on how to build wealth and prosperity. He's also a former radio disc jockey as well as a talk show host. And he's traveled around the country and he, he has been everywhere and done everything, including a 12-year stint in the prison system. 
but he truly knows what he's talking about because while he was in prison he got to experience the law of attraction firsthand uh, so i'm delighted to have him on board tonight as we talk about money love and how to get the money you deserve no matter what you want well welcome jerry to law of attraction talk radio i am thrilled to have you on the show today well i am really thrilled to be here I um, love the fact that you are in Panama and you're communicating with us in um, Southern California, but all over the world. Isn't modern technology wonderful? It's just amazing. <laughs> and uh, even, even beyond that, think about this. Back in the early 80s, when I was doing a lot of traveling and talking to people long distance my long-distance phone bill was about $700 a month. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're talking on Skype, which is free. I pay a total for my Internet service in Panama of $24 a month. Wow. So there's a big difference right there. Ah, that really is a difference. So let's talk about money. Jerry, it's uh, something that's on everybody's mind. And you have written Money Love um, that was first published in 1978 and is still going strong. I love the subtitle of it, How to Get the Money You Deserve No Matter What You Want. That's so important. So, Jerry, let's start talking about some of the reasons why people are not receiving the money that they are wanting well and also of course uh, I'll mention that I have a brand new book oh yeah ju just out this year which is a sequel it took me 37 years to produce the sequel that people have been asking for for a long time and it's called money love 3.0 and I bring it into the computer age I even have a chapter on cyber consciousness in which I've interviewed some of the top web entrepreneurs and online success story people uh, that I could find. Prosperity is hardly about money alone. Money is an incidental. And we have all the terrific new teachers and teachers have been around for a while, but are always on the cutting edge like Edwin Gaines, my good friend who I interviewed extensively. And they talk about Prosperity being all the good things in life, your, your relationships, doing work you really love and you feel is making an important contribution, having good health and vitality, and incidentally, having all the money you want when you want it. So I think uh, where people are not getting clear about money, and clarity is important, uh, I still strongly believe what I said in the opening pages of the original book, that the way to create change in your life and move in a direction toward total prosperity is to first have a clear vision of what you want. Second, the belief, have the belief that you can get it. And third, and this is something a lot of people left out, especially people talking about the law of attraction practical skills to put that belief into action. As you know, because I've heard you talking to people about this, uh, action is vital. Yeah. Uh, again, Edwin Gaines says Nike came up with one of the biggest and most powerful credos of all when they just say, just do it. We need to do it, and a lot of people don't. Right, exactly. Action is important, but you said you also have to have you have to have the skill set. I came into the radio business and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Me neither. I was in radio for 12 years. I hadn't you would not believe how long it took me to learn how to put a record on a turntable when I started out as a disc jockey. So you can, in fact, start and take action whether you have a skill set or not. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, the practical skills can be uh, on-the-job training. Ah. Take one of your favorite quotes mm -hmm. and imagine 
you're, and you could of course actually do this. Imagine you have it printed on a t-shirt and you're walking around with it and people ask you, what does that mean? And you have to very easily and quickly explain what that favorite quote means to you. We often just look at quotes or we'll put them up on the wall or we'll post them on social media. But I think it's important to play with them and explore them and, and have little, different, little tools that allow us to empower the quote and thus empower ourselves. And I am, uh, that's sort of my newest concept, and I'm really happy I included it in the new book. Yes, I, I would have to agree with you because it, we get onto Facebook and um, we see quotes, but we often share those quotes and we also have the ability to write how we feel about the quote. So uh, it's going hand in hand with what you're saying. Absolutely. And it, and it does make you start thinking about where you stand with the quote. It's very good. I love that. I love doing that personally. Uh, it's just very insightful into how I believe. So let's start talking about money. Again, some people get nervous uh, about spending money. And you are saying that that's actually keeps you from making money is their spending habits. Is that correct? Yes. And I think uh, there have been several books in recent years. I talked about uh, prosperity spending uh, back in uh, the 70s and always believe that how easily and effortlessly and enjoyably you spend money, you exchange it for what you want, that's going to determine a lot of how much prosperity you attract into your life. Now, we're talking about attracting prosperity into your life. Is this that it's is it more of a spiritual concept is that what you're talking about you cannot have true prosperity unless you're in touch with your spiritual self and you cannot be truly prosperous or truly spiritual if you have the belief that spirituality and prosperity are separate and that money and spirituality are separate. Now, one of the things that I think uh, has blown my mind is an area that I was first introduced to by, as I said, my good friend Edwin Gaines. She said something that just stopped me. It stunned me. And I had her repeat it. And I included it in the book with a lot of other stuff she said. But Listen to this. It's one, it, it's one sentence, and it really can change your whole life. She says, the very fact that I have desires tells me that these desires are leading me along my spiritual evolutionary pathway. And so I honor God when I go for these desires. So she's saying that what you want, all the prosperity you desire was really given to you by God or, you know, the universe or whatever you want to call that higher power. And because it was given to you, you wouldn't have had the ideas and the desires. Otherwise, you're capable of achieving them. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be anxious. And spending is all a part of that. Now, I'll take it a step further, if I may. Mm -hmm. There's a, a woman, Dr. Maria Nemeth, who wrote a wonderful book called The Energy of Money. And I interviewed her extensively as well. And she has a concept that I like, and I had not really thought of it in this way before, and maybe your listeners haven't either. She says that people tend to leak money. And what she means by that is they're not getting true value for the money they spend. So I'm not. There are some exercises I have where you just play with money and go out and buy a toy or something that's just fun, just to be in the practice of giving yourself permission to do that. 
But basically, I think it's important that you know what you're getting in exchange for your money in terms of the feelings that item produces. So many people go out and they go shopping and they just get into that energy. It almost becomes addictive. And then they end up at home saying, what in the world am I doing with all this stuff? Or they order online. And I think we've all been guilty of that to some extent. And the item arrives and you say, why did I order that? I don't need that. I'm not going to use that. That's leaking money. That's money being put out there in exchange for stuff you don't need and won't use. So I think what uh, the alternative to that, Maria Nemeth says, and, and I would go along with this, is conscious spending. Being free to spend without anxiety or fear, but being conscious about what you're getting in exchange for that money. And how well you're using whatever you're getting and enjoying it. That's a great part of what using money well is. And it really isn't about how much money you produce. Money love is not about accumulating a lot of money. A lot of my readers and workshop attendees and coaching clients have produced great amounts of money, but that's not the main focus. The main focus is to learn how to use money well so that you get to savor and enjoy whatever you have produced. And it's mm -hmm. not so much that you have more of all the good things like love and more joy and more money as time goes on, but that you learn how to express, enjoy, and savor what you already have as it's happening. Exactly. I always say it's not important to strive to be the millionaire. It's more important to actually enjoy what money is flowing into you because it's identical feelings as if you were a millionaire. Absolutely. You know, we, I've always said that the idea of having a million dollars which has sort of been a stereotype in our society. Well, now, although now there are more billionaires now than there right. were billionaires back in the 70s and 80s. And the idea is that you're going to feel a certain way if you achieve that level of success. Well, you're not really after the money. If someone said to you, if a genie appeared and said, okay, you can have that feeling without the money. You can have it right now. You know, would you go for that? Well, I think most people would. And the truth is, it's a feeling. You create it. You could allow $50 to give you the same feeling that a million-dollar lottery win would. It's all in how much you pay attention to that inner experience. And I think, you know, we've gotten to a point, and I think it's a great step forward in the evolution of human consciousness. We've gotten to a point where we now know that it's all what happens inside, that prosperity is an inside job. That's right. That's right, it is. Also, uh, I noticed that a lot of millionaires and billionaires, they are quite unhappy because they have to keep on making those large amounts of money. So it's like all of their life is put on making the cash, making the money come in, and it's like a giant headache. They're unable to take the time and thoroughly enjoy it. So uh, in that respect, sometimes it's just easier having less and having your focus on joy and happy and what you can do with the money instead of creating so much money. Yeah, I have a very simple lifestyle. I don't need a lot of money to get what I want. And it's fun to help people and get paid in exchange for doing that. But the money is secondary. Right. The money is fun. And I always, when I get any amount of money, no matter how small it is, that I wasn't expecting, I always find some way of celebrating that. <laughs> uh, and I think that's important. And that's part of building that prosperity energy. It is about energy. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to understand the difference between the metaphysical and the physical. 
And that's, again, where sometimes people go off center when they're talking about the law of attraction. You know, when I talk about a clear vision of what you want and the belief you can get it, those are not physical realities. Those are metaphysical realities. Mm, good and point. practical skills to put it into action and putting it into action is physical reality. And uh, Maria Nemeth does a lot of work. She's a psychologist and a coach in uh, she has a center in Sacramento, California, and she says about the energy of money that a lot of people have what she calls trouble at the border, and she describes the border as that space between metaphysical and physical reality, and that means that when you get to the point where you're ready to manifest what you've been dreaming of and desiring and doing affirmations about and visualizations about, when you get to the point where it's time to turn it into a physical manifestation, a lot of people get scared and anxious and uncomfortable, and they get stuck at the border. Why is that? Well, it's because there's a built-in fear that somehow life is going to change in a way that's unknown and in a way that won't make it worth it. You'll have to give up something in order to get what you want. And that, we, that comes from those inner negative voices we all have. Now, an interesting good point and good news that Maria Nemeth talks about is that when you ask people who are stuck at the border, even though you are scared of what's on the other side, of turning your dreams into reality, are you still willing to do what it takes to go forward? And without exception, she says, even though there's fear involved, they'll say yes, and they can move forward past that stuck place. Mm -hmm. I, I talked uh, years ago, I had a line that uh, I, I really liked and a lot of people seem to enjoy called action diminishes fear. Mm, Take, that sounds neat. Well, when you're frightened, and we all are frightened at different times, if you step out and take some kind of action, that fear usually dissipates. And one of the people that loved that the most, she attended some of my money love seminars in New York City. This is going back to the, I guess, the early 1980s, is a wonderful woman who's no longer with us named Dr. Susan Jeffers. And Susan translated that action diminishes fear into a great line that went viral before there was viral all over the world. Feel the fear and do it anyway, which was a multi-million copy bestseller worldwide. And in fact, I, I did the introduction on our first audio of that book. And it was a powerful concept that changed people's lives and still is doing it. You can feel the fear. You don't have to get rid of the fear. You right. never can completely do that. But you can go forward anyway. And that's an important truth for all of us to realize. We all have the inner strength to move forward no matter what else is going on in our lives and outside in the world. Because if you can't move or take even one step, you are succumbing to the fear. Absolutely. And it just takes a baby step Well, I, to, to get you moving. Isn't that funny you say that? Because I was just about to say the same thing. Uh, we're on the same path. Well, <laughs> and we've talked to a lot of and learned from a lot of the same people, I'm sure. To take a baby step. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple points on that that I think are important. Great. Uh, one of them, I, uh, I got from... Tammy Balashevsky, who wrote a book called uh, Manifesting Prosperity from the Inside Out. And she, has, she also has her own podcast. And she is a beautiful woman with some great ideas. I say that because they're very much in alignment with my ideas. But she came up with a way of expressing it that I like. She said, first you take a baby step, then you walk, then you run, and then you fly. Mm. And I love nice. that concept. Mm -hmm. 
And I mm-hmm. think it's important, even if now this is something I came up with and I'm, I'm still exploring how I feel and think about it and asking other people to kind of let me know how it sits with them. But I believe that even if you are very capable and very practiced, and I know you and I have both had a lot of this teaching, even if you're very good and can take a giant step, sometimes it's very useful to still take a baby step Mm -hmm. because then you're building a solid foundation from the ground up and you're building that energy so that it will keep on taking you forward as your steps get bigger and bigger. I have a friend, uh, Tony Bussey, who uh, does something called the go mode tracker system. And it's a process where people track their objectives, whether it's losing weight or getting more fit or getting more successful in business. And he always starts them off with baby steps. And in fact, one of the things he does, and it really seems to work for people, He says, you want to lose weight, take a walk every morning, but the first day, just go outside your door and decide what direction you're going to turn in and just walk four houses up the block. And that's it. Turn around and come back. You've been successful. And you Mm -hmm. can add one or two houses each day until pretty soon you're walking a mile and two miles and three miles and so forth. And I think that's a valuable concept for people to appreciate and not feel guilty if they just are not ready to take that big, big step. What would be a a step that you need or a person needs to take in order to bring more money into their lives? Well, there's a bunch of them. (laughs) I I wrote a couple of books on the subject. Yeah, I know, but I'm talking about uh, like the first couple of steps. What What is it that... Well, I like an exercise that my friend Maria Nemeth does. And I think something, a variation of it or doing it exactly as she suggests. She says the first thing to do, and she works with a lot of co- clients that have extreme poverty consciousness. She says you are going to start a $50 a month vacation fund. Now, this is something most people can afford, just $50 a month. And at the end of a year, you do something that you will really enjoy in terms of a vacation. It may be a weekend, uh, depending on where you go and what you do. But you have created a sense of prosperity and that you can afford to have a vacation fund. And, of course, you can expand that as it feels comfortable. Now, she says it's important. It's important to stick to that declaration, that commitment you're making to yourself. And if you suddenly blow a tire and need to buy a new tire, you don't take that out of the $50. You learn how to create another $50 for the tire. And that's a great point. Isn't it? Because literally you can create the energy that which we call money to pay for any bill, to pay for anything. And just taking that focus and putting it on one desire is for you and not to pay a bill. That that is very, very important. And I like that a lot. Yeah, I do too. It builds your belief system. Anything mm-hmm. you can do to build that inner voice more toward prosperity and less focused on the negative voices uh, that some the Buddhists call monkey mind. I call Stanley. I've named mine. And you mm-hmm. never completely lose that negative voice. But what you can do is dramatically diminish its power by putting in a lot of positive voices. And that's where affirmations and visualizations and great quotes and positive people and all of that come into play. We often Hmm. don't pay attention to people in our lives. I wrote a book uh, years ago. It's out of print, but I hope to uh, 
reissue it in a digital format maybe in the next year. It was called Friends, the Power and Potential of the Company You Keep. And I talked about building a supportive interpersonal environment. And that's so important. And I'm talking about even beyond Facebook friends. To have a few people in your life who are successful, hopefully more successful than you are, and hang out with them and ask their advice because people who are successful are more often more likely to offer advice when you ask for it. They're wonderful in that regard. I've never been turned down if I get right. to a best-selling author, and I'm sure you've had a lot of the same experience. They, one of the ways they give back is to share the information when people want it. Right. One of the one of my favorite quotes is that if you're one of the smartest people in the room, you're in the wrong crowd. Oh, yes. I love that. That's <laughs> I love that, too, because it is stating, wait a minute, reach up to where you want to be. Don't be the smartest. Get in the company of those who you strive to be like. Yeah. If you're into ego gratification rather than becoming more conscious, uh, then, of course, you want to you want to be in a room where everybody adores you and uh, you can feel superior. But if you're really on a path to consciousness and to greater prosperity in your life and all the good stuff that you desire, you want to have people you can learn from. I, I made an amazing discovery I'll share with you. I made it just this week. I haven't even written about it. I did put a little post on Facebook. And here is my discovery. And I never thought about it before. Every single close friend I have is someone I have or am still learning from. Right. And hopefully some of them are learning from me too. But they all know stuff I don't know. They're all better at something than I am. And to feel comfortable having that kind of person in your life as a friend, uh, it creates such energy uh, that you glide through life easily, effortlessly, and prosperously. Yes, I agree. I agree. That makes so much sense. So one of the things um, that actually stops a person from bringing money into their life is their self-esteem. And we kind of just touched on it, but Talk a little bit more about how our self-esteem, where it needs to be in order for us to attract. Well, the base is the baseline is that we really need to feel we are lovable and deserving and worthwhile. And we get that from doing inner work, not depending on people outside of ourselves to give us those affirmations. Now, that's great if people are telling you how wonderful you are all the time. Uh, but very few people got that in their childhood. Some right. parents were great at doing it. Very few were because they hadn't had it done for them with, by their parents. Goes back right. generations. So you need to create that for yourself. And the way to do that is to find out what you're good at. And to honor that and explore that and pay a lot of attention to it and take a lot of action around it. We all are good at something. Now, one of the ways to find out what you're good at is to get compliments from other people. And one of my strategies for this, and it is a wonderful self-esteem tool. It has worked for thousands of people. I first talked about it about, oh, I guess 25 years ago, and it works for me. When someone pays me, say in person, a compliment, I'll, and if I really like it, if it resonates with me, and I say, oh, wow, I, you know, thank you. Most people just take that in for a moment and then forget about it. Mm. What I do is I ask that person to put it in writing sign and date it, and I put it up on my compliment bulletin board. Now, I also do this online. 
if someone likes a post of mine on Facebook and says something especially complimentary, or they like one of my prosperity blog posts on my blog, uh, I will take that and I have a folder on my desktop that's called Compliment Bulletin Board. And periodically, I take that out. Of course, I recirculate a lot of the compliments because I have them going way back. And I just get a little burst of energy every time I look at that because it lets me know there's some things I do that are having a positive impact. That's right. the way you build self-esteem. It isn't all that inside process, but it's taking that energy you have inside yourself to explore what you can share with the world and where you are most appreciated. And it may have nothing to do with making money. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you something interesting that I've learned in working with people quite often. If people really put their attention on what they're good at, even if they've never made a dime from it, they can figure out a way to turn it into a money-making proposition. And how great to make money at something you're good at. Mm -hmm. And I'm sort of coming to the conclusion, I think it's great to love what you do. I do, certainly. I'm sure you do. To be oh, yeah. passionate about what you're doing and to think it's valuable and having a positive impact on the world. But it may be just as or even more important to focus on what you do well. Because that will create its own energy. And you will find that you will begin to fall more and more in love with whatever that is as you are willing to share it and that people are coming along willing to give you money in exchange for it. Mm, that is so good. Yeah, I agree. And it's like a sign from the universe is stating to me, you're on the right path. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And it's all about being able to serve in order for you to get back all of the um, signs. Absolutely. You know, loving and serving uh, brings the most rewards in life. Mm -hmm. And anybody who is extremely prosperous and also happy in their lives has learned that. They just are always looking at ways in which they can make a positive impact on the world and on other people's lives. Hmm. And, and you certainly have done that by just, I mean, look how many years you've been doing this. This is very, very um, helping people to recognize what is going on within them that is actually stopping them from achieving their goals. Yeah, I think the first step is figuring out what's stopping you. Mm hmm the next step is, you know, countering that with positive material that you allow into your life. And the final step is to act in a way that is in accordance with your ideal principles, mm -hmm. your basic path in life. I think uh, for many people, that's where they need to focus their energy. What is, you know, my path in life? What is the best way in which I can serve? Uh, what is the ideal evolutionary direction that I should be moving in? And one of the quotes I put out there that went viral in several different formats, people put it on posters and it had many thousands of likes and shares on Facebook and Twitter. And I think it resonated with people. It's not the most brilliant thing I ever said, but for some reason, it became my most popular quote ever. And I use one of the posters to open my chapter on quote love. And here's the quote. It's very simple. You will recognize your own path when you come upon it because you will suddenly have all the energy and imagination you will ever need. 
That is so true. That is so true. Yeah, it's like when you recognize it, that's when the passion and the excitement and the energy just, I mean, you know it. You won't know it a minute before, but as soon as you see it, you recognize it immediately. And it becomes and so you... much easier, doesn't it? I mean, yes, it's just life becomes a delight in every way. Yeah, exactly. When did you experience that the first time? Oh, well, I've experienced it so many times in so many ways. But uh, I'll share with you, and we haven't talked about this. I ended up through a quirky set of circumstances, including kind of uh, blowing my mind by being on a nutritional product that was uh, really... Uh, uh, substance abuse without my realizing it because it was perfectly legal and thought to be very healthy mm. and it contained huge amounts of ephedra this was mm. when it was still legal and right. <laughs> I ended up spending 12 years in prison because I had this crazy <gasps> idea of hijacking a motorhome and it didn't make any sense of course it still doesn't but what I found out and I thought maybe I was going crazy because it was so out of character for me to do what I did. And it's because of the ephedrine or whatever it was? The, yes. Uh, Mike, that well, speeded you that. all up. I thought yeah. maybe I had a brain tumor. I didn't know wow. what was going on because I just know. But after I was arrested and I'm in prison for a couple of days, my mind started to clear up. For the mm. first time in several years, I started thinking and creating where I hadn't really done very much and I wasn't aware I wasn't doing very much and I had really some harebrained ideas. But I thought it might come back. That was my big fear the first year or so. Two years into my prison sentence, I got a new cellmate who had been a meth addict and we figured out that this product I was taking three times a day for five years for energy and uh, maintaining your ideal weight, which it did work on, that was almost pure ephedra. Mm. And he said, ephedra, that's how I made my meth. You may oh as well have been goodness. doing meth for five years. And I, of course, checked with medical experts and found out that that was true. Not everybody had that reaction, but I did. Now, let me share a defining moment. We've all had those, but one I had in prison. I was lying on a bunk in my tiny cell at Folsom Prison. And mm. I was reading a favorite mystery author's novel. And I was munching on a package of macadamia nuts a friend had sent me in one of the quarterly care packages we were allowed to receive. And I had the thought that a longtime fantasy of mine was to live on a tropical island like <laughs> Bali or Tahiti and be lying in a hammock reading a great book. And all of a sudden, it was like a flash. I had the realization that I was comfortable stretched out on my bunk. I did have a great book. I was even eating a favorite gourmet treat. And if I closed my eyes, I just as easily could be on that hammock on Bali. The only difference that could be noticed is if I allowed my external environment to interfere with my inner experience. And I learned to stop letting that happen. Mm. And that was where I really did my major inner work. I mean, I had always meditated and I had done a lot of inner processes and taught meditation and so forth. But this took it to a whole new level. That mm -hmm. what's going on outside you, even if it's very unpleasant and prison is very unpleasant, you can still have a wonderful internal life. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. So you're in Panama, which is a tropical Yeah, it's an isthmus location. Uh, rather than an island. <laughs> I'm not sure what the distinction is, uh, but it's, of course, yeah. you know, between the two oceans, which is right. why we have the canal. But you imagined yourself eating macadamia nuts as if you're on the beach 
and I'm sure you have experienced that many times. Well, I'm, I haven't gotten to the point, and I probably will sometime within the next year when I have the time to explore. I want to get a little place, it can be very simple, uh, in one of the beach towns that maybe is an hour or two from Panama City. I probably would like to keep my base in Panama City. But I will set up a hammock on the beach, and uh, I will uh, live that fantasy uh, in its entirety. You, you talk about how uh, all the prosperity teaching I've done has helped people. Well, that's also uh, kept me doing it when I wanted to explore some other things. For example, a couple of years ago, uh, I'd always wanted to try being a stand-up comedian. So I actually did that in San Francisco at the Purple Onion. And then I did a one-man show at the Marsh Theater. And I had a lot of fun with that. But then there were people saying, well, when are you going to do a digital version of Money Love? And that turned mm. and that happened. And then I decided to do a brand new book because all these ideas were popping into my head. And that's exciting me. And people are responding to it. You know, there are two things that I think are among the, the most beautiful, wonderful feelings anyone can have. One is to make people laugh. Mm. What a wonderful, involuntary, spontaneous reaction that you're getting from people, a physical reaction. I mean, it's quite amazing when you think about it. Right. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. And the other thing is to get people to say, something you said. I turned over in my mind and I worked on it and I came up maybe with my own version, but it changed my life. Mm -hmm. And that is so, and I'm sure you've experienced that too. It's so rewarding. It's, it's magical. Yeah, it is magical. It, it uh, helps the old self-esteem there. Everything that you said today is something that people had to hear, and I so appreciate it. Just jump in here and give the same instruction to your listeners about any of your shows. You know, people offer tremendous ideas of how to take action in their lives, and I'm sure a lot of people enjoy listening, but there are probably many people that don't do the action steps, and that's not going to work. That's right. You have to take the action. Absolutely. So, Jerry, thank you so much. This is very, very good information. It was a lot of fun, really, Jules. Thank you. And to all of my wonderful listeners, have a great week and think globally. The well-being of every country economically. And then focus in on yourself. Let's try this. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.